Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am Tony Serino alongside Christopher Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, Chris and I'll talk about Troy Palomalu, Alan Fanica, Bill Cower, and Donnie Shell, all of whom are finalists for the Hall of Fame this year. We'll also talk about some news from Tomlin's press conference, including the fact that Bud Dupree is a priority for this front office this offseason, and that Tomlin would not be surprised if there were some coaching changes this offseason. Chris and I'll talk about what we think those coaching changes could be. And then we'll also preview Wild Card Weekend, which starts tomorrow. Welcome to the show. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Himalaya app, wherever you find podcasts, search Locked On Steelers, hit that subscribe button. Make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow us on Twitter at LO Steelers. You can find us on Facebook, search Locked On Steelers, hit like on the Facebook page, but make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. All right, Chris, how you doing today? Doing great, Tony. How are you, my man? It has been what? It's been like a year since we've talked, a decade even since we've since we've talked, since we've done one of these podcasts. You're not doing these jokes, are you? I, I am. I'm, I'm doing them right now. I started with them. That's <laughs> <laughs> how we started today. I also, Chris, you know, in our in our time away here for New Year's, I have put together my first scouting report of the year. Uh, I have my first grade given out to a college prospect. I haven't watched any tape yet. I haven't watched any cut-ups yet. I haven't watched anything. I had a chance to go to the Citrus Bowl because I'm down here in Orlando. and oh, Alabama, you did? Yeah, Alabama played Michigan. And um, Chris Jerry Judy is extremely good at football. Like, wow, Tony, you know this is I yeah, this is news. Breaking news! <laughs> this just Tony. into the locked on Steelers newsroom. <laughs> Jerry Judy, extremely good wide receiver. <laughs> Who would have thought that, guys? This is the hard hitting analysis uh-huh. of Tony Serena. You're not getting you're not getting this level of of breakdowns elsewhere, okay? Lock, this is only locked on Steelers is letting you know that Jerry Judy's uh, he's 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 great. I I know that people say that, that he might not even be the the first wide receiver taken, which is crazy to me. Uh but watching him live was great. I mean, look, the other guys are great. Ruggs was very good, Devonta Smith was good, but who Judy was like a man among boys out there. Uh if the Steelers wanted to trade back into the first round, let's see he was sliding a little bit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to it. He's gonna be a great pro. Top five. There's no way they could get that. He's gonna go top five, right? He should go top five. I've se- I've seen people say he he may go mid first round. You know, maybe even into the teens and twenties. Which well, is okay. If, if if he gets if he gets to the twenties, that's something. Yeah. But then then you start talking about okay maybe. <laughs> but then how? But then how much are you really? trading up to get to get into the first round no no one's gonna because no one's gonna just take it oh for a for a, a mid second round right and, right yeah someone someone uh messaged me today and asked if the Steelers should trade their second round pick and Vance McDonald for someone like OJ Howard it's kind of a like for like I mean it saves them money because of the Vance McDonald thing but I just don't see the Steelers trading anything in that like if they maybe they trade up a little bit if they if they have a guy in the second round they like by the way the Steelers pick uh we should say the Steelers pick 49th so when we talk about that mid-round pick they pick 49th it will be the first selection the Steelers make in the draft they do not have a first round pick that first round pick went for uh for Minka uh so it'll be a little while before we get to watch the Steelers make their first selection I could see them Chris moving up a little bit if they like that if they like a player maybe moving up to like 40 or something like that but yeah trading back into the first uh, you're right although as much as Jerry Judy incredible uh, the other thing we should mention here about the draft is that the fourth round pick the Steelers got back in that Minka trade uh, is from the Tennessee Titans, not the Miami Dolphins. 
now, well, I shouldn't say that that's official because I've seen it reported in multiple places. I haven't actually seen that from the NFL's official draft order just yet. Um, so we'll wait and see. But by all indications at this point, it's the fourth round pick from the Titans, not the Dolphins pick, which means it's not the first pick. Well, the fifth pick in the in the uh, fourth round. And it's TBD on that spot because the Titans, wherever they finish in the playoffs, uh, will be where that pick slots in. All right, and then, Chris, let's get to some news and notes here uh, because the last we talked, Freddie Kitchens got let go from the Cleveland Browns. Honestly, for Steeler fans, kind of disappointing because Freddie Kitchens was a very good Browns coach for Steeler fans in that yeah. that team was extremely disappointing this year. On, now, this was this one, though. The Browns since then have fired John Dorsey, their general manager, which, Chris, I think is good news for Steeler fans because John Dorsey, to me, actually had done a very good job of acquiring talent there. Yes, they were, you know, they were probably still a year away when you consider how bad that offensive line was, some of the issues they had defensively. Um, but I thought he did a very good job of, of just acquiring talent. Uh, and to see him let go, it's a very Browns move. Yeah, I look at this, and I, I think that part of this is isn't just personnel. I think that they, I think some maybe there might be some part of the Browns that are realizing that there needs to be a culture change. Um, you know, you look at the, there were coaches not even taking in their interviews. I, I think enough people aren't, do not take them seriously, and they're starting to realize, hey, we need to come up with some with a new plan of attack because. Um, that this goes deeper than coaching or, or play on the field there. I mean, and this is what I said before. There's long been a cultural problem yep. with the Browns and, 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 and this isn't culture about where people are from. This is just organizational integrity. It, it, ta- it, it takes a, this is a deep rooted issue that they need to, to, to put plug someone in here that knows how to win, knows how to cultivate that kind of, that, that kind of a response from people regularly. And, uh, you know, the, those kind of guys aren't just lying around all the time. So I, I think that it, it makes sense to try and say, hey, we need to restart everything because everything they've tried with Dorsey has, hasn't worked. And frankly, even the ones that even the guys that are talented that he's picked, I mean, I mean Miles Garrett, you know, great defensive player, snapped in, in a huge moment and, and did something that, you know, that, you know, could could have. Could, yeah, could have si- sidelined him for more than a year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you got you got players like Odell Beckham Jr. that are saying, "Come get me," and Jarvis Landry, and these are the guys that you brought in to, to try and change the culture of the place because you thought, like, "Hey, well, they come from places that they've at least you know competed. You know, maybe they'll change things." And it's just it's it's been one nightmare after another for them. So I, I get getting you know I get them parting ways. I know everyone's saying like, "Oh, they they mutually agreed to part ways." No, I, I'm I think the Browns were like, "Nah, get out of here, dude." Like once they saw that people weren't taking their interviews, they realized this is this isn't something that we can just fix with a couple hires. Now there there was reports uh, earlier today. We're recording this on Thursday uh, that the Browns were interested in Urban Meyer coming there. Uh, of course, you know he just left Ohio State last year. He's still, you know, he's had so many health concerns over the years. I would be surprised if he did take another head coaching job, especially one like the Browns. Uh, but there were reports that the the Browns were interested, and then there were reports that they weren't because they wanted they. According to the new reports, that was the scouting department, uh, the the kind of Paul D. Podesta, I guess, is, is leading this analytics group, but he does it part time or whatnot. Um, so they they are they are interested maybe in a guy like Urban Meyer, but uh, the ownership wants an NFL guy, and so they're looking at Mike McCarthy potentially or some some guys with NFL experience. Uh, I thought Chris, I thought Urban Meyer could be actually a decent choice for them if they actually could bring him in there because you talk about culture change, guy who you know has experience winning, maybe not at the NFL level, but certainly uh, has has a um, 
you know, has, certainly has a tenure of, of going places and getting the job done. We did that at Florida. He did that at Utah. He did that, of course, at Ohio State. Um, that could have been an interesting hire for them. They're going to pass on it. Yeah, I, I look at Urban Meyer and like it's interesting because he has that that big name attached to him. But uh, to me, it, it's you know, it's a lot of this it resonates with you know how well, how well, do, how well do you actually get to players that you're not necessarily re- recruiting? You know, because that to me is is the main skill of, of a NF of a, of a of a collegiate head coach is when I walk into someone's living room, who, who can I get to? Who can I? What kids can I inspire to come join my program? And, and when you see them try to transition to the NFL and that they lose that power and it relies more so on, okay, how do I manage this type of a, this type of an organization and how do I deal with these day-to-day operations? And then how do I win with X's, you know, X's and O's here, whereas I could fool people a lot easier in college, you know, it it doesn't translate well often. I mean, we've seen it with Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, uh, you know, I think the one person who's really pulled it off well was Pete Carroll. Um, and so it's one of those gambles that when you pull it, when you go into it, you got to there's there's different evaluations that you kind of got to look at and see if they'll work. I mean, Pete Carroll's first stint in the NFL was a failure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Urban Meyer will be an interesting big name and he does come from a winning culture. And then really, I mean, he has a huge reputation in the state of Ohio. So I, I think it would also be somewhat supported by the fans. Um, so it would at least, I mean, but the Cleveland Browns fans, they seem to get excited when anybody gets hired I and mean, they were excited for Freddie kitchens. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I think, I think that's, that's the thing is that if they could have gotten him, it would have been, it would have been, I think a, a nice like news piece, but I am not sure that that would have worked. Uh, to me, they need, they need a type like, like Ron Rivera, the way that Washington went and went and got him a guy that's been part of winning organizations, a guy that that's run, that's run a ship before. And says, okay, I, I know, I know some things that I've done that are right, and I know some things that I've done that are wrong. Now let me put the, those that knowledge and history to work here, and uh, make make this my team and my organization because they, they need some guy like you know that that's you know Chuck Noll came to the Steelers in in the in the late sixties and, and said you know and he came from working under Don you know working with Don Shula working with uh working with the Baltimore Colts. And, uh, you know, and, you know, you know, working, working, you know, under several legends when he played in the NFL, you know, coming from that kind those kind of cultures, he brought that to the Steelers. Um, you, you need someone like that. That's going to be a catalyst for a new way of thinking in Cleveland and, uh, you know, just hiring from within and getting guys that are part of these different systems that have failed. That's not this. That's not the answer in my book. I look forward to the Browns uh, waiting until Jason Garrett gets fired from the Cowboys and then hiring him to be their new head coach. That would be hilarious. And it would be a very Browns-type move. So uh, good luck, Browns. All right, we're going to go to break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Tomlin's final press conference of the year and the news coming out of it right after this. Hey, before we continue, I want to let you guys know about MyBookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because it lets you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, they're going to give you an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. 
Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Chris. Before we get to that Tomlin press conference, one more, uh, a couple more things I wanted to mention here from that news and notes segment. Uh, we got four finalists for the Hall of Fame from the Steelers this year. They have two modern finalists. Those are Troy Polamalu, who will 100% get in, uh, and then Alan Fanek, who I believe this is his sixth time being uh, a finalist for the Hall of Fame. So maybe he gets in this year. Although you know, the Hall of Fame voters just don't like putting Steelers in in the first place because they feel like there's too many already, which I think is why a guy like Fanek is not already in. Uh, so for Fanek to go in the same year as Palomalu. I doubt it, actually. And then you have two of the kind of whatever they're calling them, legacy candidates or whatnot. Uh, you have Bill Cowher and Donnie Shell. Chris, clearly, clearly Palomalu is getting in. I mean, that's the first ballot. Got to happen. The other three, though, Fanica, Cowher, Donnie Shell. I know they're putting in whatever their 15 guys or whatever it's going to be this year. I, I just got a bad feeling that these, all these guys are going to have to wait. Look, Palomalu, for me, out of respect, he needs to be in. Because they made Ed Reed a first ballot, they made Brian Dawkins a first ballot. You make those two guys a first ballot, Troy better go in. Go He's in got first it. He's got well. to. And if he if he doesn't, there should be you should you should, there should be people should raid Canton, Ohio. They should take everything out of there and smash the bus that that aren't Steelers ones <laughs> because it would be it would be utterly it, it'd be insulting. The guy the guy was the best strong safety in, in his era. Uh, he changed the game more than anyone. I mean, people. Aaron Rodgers in Super Bowl Forty Five said, "If you if you see Forty Three, run away from him because I'm not looking at you while you're near him." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the kind of terror that he brought to the league, and it you know wasn't just about stats; it's about what he did at every level. He could play the center field, he could play linebacker, he could blitz you from the slot, he could cover the slot, he could go sideline to sideline, he could jump over, he could predict where you're snapping. He did every doggone thing you asked of him. And if he's not a first ballot, then nobody deserves to be a first ballot in my book. Anyways, moving forward, Alan Fanica, I agree, suffers the Steelers creed of Hall of Famers. Um, you just kind of like, uh, yeah, why, why are we going we, to we'll, we're, we're eventually going to put him in anyways. Why are we putting him in now? Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he's a great guard. But, but the biggest travesty I, to this day, I still think, is Donnie Shell and Elsie Greenwood. Those are two players that needed to be in there. But you know, play, people like Peter King say I'll never vote for another seventy sealer again. Uh, they can, they th- those guys can uh, go somewhere else with that. Yep. Because Donnie Shell is uh, he has over fifty interceptions all time. Uh, he has more than several Hall of Fame players that are already in there, and he he has four Super Bowl rings, and he hit like a mat truck. He broke Earl Campbell's ribs. Uh, you know, the this is the this is the kind of guy that he. If you if, if you had put him on any other any other franchise, he would have been in 20 years ago. But because he's part of this legendary Steelers team, they feel like, oh, we can't keep paying homage to that. To you those put guys. 2270 Steelers in? I hate that. I oh, hate and, that. And, and, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you yes, should. Yes, if they're all if they have 22 Hall of Famers and you put them all in, yes. Yeah, if I mean, if, if these guys are are freaking legends, yes. you, you, you should you should respect them. And, and I'm not saying put Rocky Blyer in, even though Rocky Blyer has a great story. You know, he's it's 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 kind of like you know that's James Conner. You know, James Conner doesn't deserve to just go to every Pro Bowl every year just because he has a great story. Um, you know, but Rocky Blyer is part it was was you know part of the team, but he wasn't the catalyst. And Donnie Shell 
he what once he once he took over for Glenn Edwards, he was one of those type of guys. And and he did it for several years after then. It was still a great player. So yeah, he needs to go in. Bill Cower, I I, I get it. You know, he and I, I think that he just Yeah, where, where do you fall on Cower? Is he is he Hall of Fame worthy? I think so. I mean, if if you're looking at guys that had a very respectable career and were Super Bowl champions, I, I think you could you could throw him in there. Um, but huh, I just I, I don't see with with the standard with coaches. I mean, there's some coaches I think in there that might not have won a Super Bowl. So um, he he also didn't coach for a ridiculously a long long amount of time because I think if if you throw Cower in there, then like who else do we got to throw in there because. Then you know this just is Tom in a Hall of Fame coach. Just when, when no, he, that, that was going to bring up right because like you know I would if like if Tomlin retired today would he be a Hall of Famer? Because if right. Cower is, then Tomlin is because they they basically to this point have like had very similar careers in that yeah. they both been to two Super Bowls. They won one. Um, yeah, I you know for, it's I think both are like borderline at this point. So yeah. Tomlin obviously can can earn his way in you know by going to another Super Bowl or winning another Super Bowl. Cower, on the other hand, I think is always going to be this weird borderline candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I look at I look at Cower kind of like, you know, he he started off he inherited a great defense and you know certain really good players from Chuck Noll that that Noll even said when he was retiring he was like you know I'm I'm leaving a lot of really good talent here we can make a a run can be made with these guys and uh, Cower you know got you know he got a good amount out of them he couldn't win a Super Bowl with them. But he, you know, he made he he helped make them competitive. Um, oh, breaking news here, Tony. Uh oh, what happened? We just breaking news. The Cowboys have decided Jason Garrett will not be part of their future after nine years as full time head coach. Woo, we got breaking news, y'all. As future Browns head coach coming in. Well, so we just <laughs> talked about this. So so change that. You know, we're we're done talking about the Hall of Fame. Back to this. Is Jason Garrett the new Browns head coach? I give them a week and a half before they announce this. <laughs> you underestimate their power. I, I love how long the Cowboys waited to make what was a fairly obvious decision, right? Uh, I mean, they, they said the players were yelling at him in the locker room and that he was losing. It was, that's that's losing control of a team. Yeah. You know, when, I, when, it when just several it, players are, are, are having a problem with you. Yeah. I mean, what is Jason Garrett's like defining win? Does he even have one? I, you know, I mean, look, I understand that. You know, the, the Cowboys didn't want to get into a situation like they were where they were just, you know, going through coaches um, every other year. But, I mean, Garrett, would, I think I think he had reached the end of the line there. That team was not – he certainly wasn't overperforming with any of his teams. Uh, and that, that team this year had a – yeah, I thought they had uh, a decent enough talent that they should have run away with a division that was very weak. Um, and and instead, they lost that division to the Eagles. So I thought this was, a, this was an open and shut case against Garrett. But – uh, it took him a couple of days. They came to their senses. And I, by the way, I congratulate Jason Garrett on his new head coaching job at, at Cleveland. <laughs> and I wish him, I wish that he has a long career there of being your normal Browns coach. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, that's 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 pretty wild. But but back on Bill Cower, I just I think that when you look at it, I, I think you could make the case for him to be a Hall of Famer. But you know, there's always the question of like, you know, oh, what about? This guy, that guy, you know, I, I have stacking coaches in the Hall of Fame isn't something that I'm used to doing. But I mean, I, I wouldn't have a, a single problem with them putting him in there. I can, I was, I, I just always kind of measure myself as saying, okay, what are going to be the arguments against this guy getting right. in? Because there's always a ton there. Like, oh, well, he wasn't this. Oh, well, he wasn't that. And then yeah. Lynn Swan and John Stallworth had to wait like decades before they got in. 
All right, let's move on to Mike Tomlin's press conference. He gave, did his final one on Tuesday. Uh, so he had a couple big announcements here, Chris. I, well, I don't know if they're big announcements, but a couple uh, newsworthy announcements there. First of all, on an in, from an injury perspective, and that has been the story all year, there oh, are no new injuries to report. Thank goodness. So a lot of times here, Tomlin will announce that certain guys are going to have to have off-season surgery. You know, these kind of lingering injuries that happen that, that players can play through, but they're going to need surgery at the end of the year. No players to this point, Chris, that we know of need season uh, or off-season surgery. So that, I think, is great news, especially when you consider, you know, Juju with the knee, Connor with all the his ailments that he's had so far. We know that Rudolph had, had surgery on that shoulder already. Uh, but, you know, you've had guys like Hayden and Nelson who have been kind of up and down throughout the year. Um, great news that that there's no more, in, no new injuries to report at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good that's a good thing moving forward. Uh, you know, Mason Ruff will probably have time to recover throughout the offseason, be ready for training camp next year. Um, so, I mean, you know, small victory, but a victory yeah. nonetheless that you have to count. Indeed. All right, so speaking of Mason Rudolph, uh, Tomlin confirming that Mason will go into 2020 as the backup. Uh, he's asked about Duck. He basically said, well, we'll, we'll see how Duck is. We'll, we'll, you know, he basically said, look, Duck had a great opportunity this year, and you know, we'll, we'll see how he progresses throughout. But um, I imagine, Chris, that you know, how that progresses may be uh, you know, a trip to minicamp potentially, uh, maybe OTAs uh, in, in past that. I don't know. Are we watching him at training camp next year? I think he'll be the camp arm again. I think that I think they look at that and they say, "Hey, you know, we'll keep you around and let you let you you know make people make people happy in training camp for a little bit, and then you know Tony Serino will show up and be like, "Oh, that's the guy right there. That's my boy Doc." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that they're going to prepare for life without Duck. Of course, I think yeah. they're going to bring in uh, you know a better arm to to complement Rudolph as a backup. Do you think are are you so like do the Steelers need to prioritize backup quarterback this year? Like, do they need to go out and get another veteran to back up Ben Roethlisberger in case the elbow can't hold up for sixteen games and they don't end up in a situation like they did in twenty nineteen? Either that, or they need to go get a, a rookie in the draft that is in the NFL has an NFL arm, um, yeah. because you know, and I'm, and I'm talking about you know, use that third round comp pick, use that fourth round pick. Uh, were one of those fourth round picks on a guy that at least has athleticism, at least has some factor to his game that you can say, all right, you know, you have a, you have a cannon. All right, we're gonna call this deep play. Hit this deep play. Just just just, just throw it up. If we get it, we get it. If not, if not, oh, you can run. Okay, we're gonna run the option here. We're gonna we're gonna test people out this way. We're gonna give you some different looks here to work with. But you need a guy that can do something. And Devin Hodges just he didn't have any. He didn't have any of that. Yeah. So. Um, I, I think that's what that's what they need to do is is fine. Now, if they can find a backup quarterback on the market, great. But just so people understand the cost that we're talking about here, Case Keenum, who's you know among the the, the bottom of the barrel for the guys that you could that you could probably get and say, okay, you're a comparable starting backup guy. Like you know, if we needed a guy for a season, he cost the he cost Washington seven point point five million dollars last year. That's a lot of that's a lot of cap space. To too much, up. way for, too much. Right, and that's what I'm just saying is that it's not that easy to go out and just grab a guy off the street and be like, hey, you know, you're going to be a comparable backup in the NFL. It 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 really isn't that easy. Now, if you get a guy and you let him work with your system all off season, great. You, you at least have that chance. But uh, you're not looking at a situation where you know there's not too many Tay Bridgewaters that are going to come in and win you four games in a row. Right. I actually wouldn't be surprised if the quarterbacks that we're watching at training camp next year are the three we have now, 
uh, the three the Steelers have now, which is Ben, Mason, and Paxton Lynch. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Duck doesn't make it into that. Although maybe, like you said, they keep a fourth guy around um, you know, just in case. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised there because, like you said, you just can't the, – the money you're going to have to spend on a backup, even if it's, you know, if it's Joe Flacco or whatnot, right? I mean, you know, a guy who's been around for a while – um, I, I still think Joe Flacco is going to be trying to get you know five million dollars a year, and the Steelers just cannot afford that. Um, so you're going to have to get a guy who you know doesn't cost much. And right now, Paxton Lynch, Mason Rudolph, Duck, none of those guys cost a lot. He's just going with the best three you have after camp. Um, and or again, like you said, Chris, a rookie you add, add another arm to that mix uh, wouldn't be a terrible idea considering yeah you know, just just how poor the quarterback play was for the Steelers throughout 2019. All right, another thing Tomlin talked about, Bud Dupree. Said that Bud Dupree, he said, make no mistake, Bud Dupree is a priority for this team. Now, he also kind of caveated that with, look, you know, we haven't started our offseason planning yet. We haven't looked at contract situations, yada, yada. But knowing that Bud Dupree is, is now going to be a free agent here in March, uh, Chris, it seems like the Steelers know this is this is the guy when it comes to, you know, I know people right now are writing their lists about who stays, who goes, whatnot. If there's an A number one, it's got to be Bud Dupree. Oh, yeah, he's the top priority. I mean, it looks like he is the the answer for a lot of things on defense. Him and TJ Watt could be the uh, the premier edge rushing duo the Steelers have been looking for for years. So why would you uh, why would you turn your back on that? Um, and, you know, they, they signed Skipper to a good future deal that the, you know, so you, you got you got Ola Adini. They seem like they might be your backups now locking your starter. Um, it's a very doable move, I think, if you make the right cuts. We've been talking about all offseason. Yeah. Well, it's a doable um, move to, to to franchise tagging, right? Which I think is where yeah. you and I are on the yeah. same page here. Yeah, yeah. No, no long-term deal for Bud yet. Franchise tag him, I believe that'll be 16 to 17 million rather than paying him upwards in the 20s if they were gonna if they're gonna sign him to a long deal. No, I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm with the plan to uh to, to tag him for now yeah. and it gives you room for when 2021 rolls around, when you got to make the final call on Juju and Watt and Connor and all these other guys and Hayward. And, you know, and then you're going to be- Minka might be up around then too. Uh, I think, I think Minka will be up for his uh, extension. Oh, the fifth year, the fifth year option, right? Yeah. It's like they'll, they'll be the, the option. They'll, they'll probably put, they'll probably slap that on him. Uh, but then you'll also be wondering what's Ben's situation, you know, because after next year, you're also thinking, you know, if it say, say Ben gets hurt again, is, is he done? Say Ben finishes the season and they do well. Is he like, well, I had my, my run boys. I'm out, I'm out of here. Um, you know, or does he play one more year? Does he get another extension? Cause if he gets another extension, then you're talking about the money and then you got the CBA that comes out and how that impacts everything. I think the Steelers can, would be comfortable sort of saying, bud, stick around. We're going to pay you some good money. Uh, and then uh, we'll see where we're at the, the next year. I think Bud might be willing to acquiesce to that because he's like, look, I, I've, I've gotten good here. I have a good relationship here. I know my teammates, I you know, and I'm performing well. Why would I go somewhere else uh, when I'm, I could stay here and get paid? And, I mean, I, mean, I think Steelers – and this is something that I haven't harped on enough and I will harp on as this offseason goes, but the Steelers way won in, in, in the battle of Bell and Brown with – Brown, you know, throwing the tantrums that he threw and causing problems. Uh, you know, the Steelers did not bend. You know, they, they 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 did get rid of him for a lower price than what many wanted them to, but they used that price to get Devin Bush and then Le'Veon Bell, who wanted all the money in the world. Um, well, not all the money in the world. He just wanted guaranteed money. Um, but he wanted guaranteed money. They they said that they're not doing it that way. Um, uh, 
but uh, you know, they said, you know, he said they're not going to do it that way. And he, I mean, I remember Jerome Bettis and certain players saying, you know, publicly, Le'Veon Bell should not go this route. He's going to lose. The Steelers don't bend on those, and they didn't. Bell went to the Jets, and even though his, his team beat the Steelers, uh, you know, he didn't have a single hundred-yard game. Uh, and you know, many would say that. Well, I think the Steelers. Well, he may be on. Yeah, he may be on his way out there anyway. Right. Hey, yeah. that's my point. Is that I just think that Bud Dupree might see the writing on the wall there and be like, hmm, maybe I should stick here because it doesn't seem like guys that just leave here just do great. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see. You know, first of all, I, I mean, I'm with you. Like, we're on the same page as far as franchise tagging him is the smartest move because it saves you money. Uh, not only this year, but but going forward, you just don't want to lock yourself into a four or five year deal worth 20 plus million dollars a year when you know you're going to have to give an even bigger deal to TJ Watt two years from now. Um, so doing the franchise tag is the smart move now, but, 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 you know, and I know you, we, you know, yes, the Steelers, I agree. They, they got the better end of that Le'Veon deal, but you know, there was that whole year where they had to do the, will he, won't he show type thing. And I wonder if the Steelers want to enter into that situation again, not to say that Bud would pull the same thing that Le'Veon did with, with some of the uh, you know the the uh, the misdirection and whatnot, as far as him him alluding to the fact that he would show up and then not showing up and all of that. But uh, I wonder if the Steelers would want to go back into that well, right? Would they want to dip their toes back into the franchise tag thing with Bud? You know, knowing that either they're gonna they're gonna not lowball Bud, but offer him a Steelers type contract and not the contract that he might get on the open market. And would Bud would Bud take that deal or would he play on the franchise tag or would he even pull a Levy on it and try to sit the entire year, knowing that? Uh, you know, he may not lose a ton of value the same way Le'Veon didn't. I mean, Le'Veon didn't get, I don't think he got as good a deal as the Steelers were offering him, but he didn't lose a ton of value. Um, so I mean, I'll be interested to watch how that situation plays out this offseason um, because like Tomlin said, it's a priority for them. So we'll, we'll see how big a priority it is and, and how, how uh, crazy the Steelers front office is willing to get. And then the final thing to talk about from Tomlin's press conference, Chris, we've been talking about all the coaching changes around the NFL. He was asked, about internally within this organization, are there going to be coaching changes? And he basically said, look, um, we're now we're dealing with players, not coaches just yet. He's doing, they're still doing the exit interviews with each of the players. But he did say uh, he wouldn't be surprised if there were some coaching changes this offseason. And of course, that put up alarm bells. Everyone said, oh, that means Randy Fickner's going to go. He's got to fire Randy Fickner. Fickner's terrible. Uh, the fan base clearly up in arms about getting rid of Fickner. I guess, you know, there's also, you could also, if you're going to, if you're trying to figure out what does that mean? You could also say, well, you know, the offensive line took a step back this year. Sean Serrett, after one year, would they let him go? I don't think they would, and I don't think they should, but I guess that's a place that they could go. Uh, and then Eddie Faulkner, the new running back coach, I guess you could make an argument there as well, Chris. But I see this. Here's my take on this. I don't think the Steelers are actually going to fire anyone. I think they're going to add a quarterback coach. I think that's what he means. I think the Steelers are going to add coaches. Maybe they, maybe they add another edge rush coach and let Keith Butler go back to being defensive coordinator only and not pulling double duty, and the same can be said for offensive coordinator uh, Randy Feekner, where they just hire a quarterback coach and then let him just run OC full-time. Yeah, I think that. You could also talk about the wide receiver room. You know, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Ray Sherman took over, but I don't know if he's going to be here next year. Right, and that's what you kind of want to look at and say, hmm, you know, do, do we want to get a guy that is going to be here long-term and also can sort of set a different tone with these guys? Because, again, this is extremely young receiver room. They're all 23-year-olds right now. Um, they'll be 24 next year, uh, and that's still, a, that's still a very young group of guys. 
and you want to you want someone that that can sort of inspire those guys to play together and and get the most out of them and and there's there's some charisma to that there there's some there's there, there's going to be a knack to that so i think that the steelers are going to be actively searching to add i'm kind of with you i don't think it's about firing guys right now i think that they know they know that it was unfair and the things the steelers aren't reactionary that's been their mo the day that the steelers become reactionary i think that's the day the steelers are, are, are going to stop being the steelers right and, that's when the alarm bell should go up in pittsburgh right that's when, when, they, when they do something that's out of character right and, and not not just kind of out of character because like minka fitzpatrick was out of character but when when you're you know when they fire a head coach for for you know for for not for for just not winning the Super Bowl, you know uh, I think that's when we're kind of like okay, right. uh, this is this is a bad sign. When they, or, when or they, if they if they were to fire like Sean Serrett this year after one year of the off being an offensive line coach, or Eddie Faulkner one year after taking over running backs, I think that would be a a, a weird move, an unstealer like move. Yeah, yeah. I think I think another guy you if you're gonna say someone goes and and another thing we should mention here is they don't fire coaches. I mean they just do not fire coaches. They have let contracts expire right that's how Todd Haley got let go they just didn't resign him same thing with Joey Porter last year they just just said hey we're not going to renew your contract um so you know I don't know if Danny Smith's contract's up this year I, you know he's the one guy who if they were going to fire anyone I guess maybe Danny Smith uh although I would have argued for Danny Smith a year ago so and not to say that the special teams was fantastic this year um but I think they they found a guy in Deontay Johnson as a punt returner they can they can work with Jordan Berry had a disappointing end to the year but I don't know if I'm putting that on all on Danny Smith. And then Boswell did bounce back. So um, it would be, I guess it would be strange to see Danny Smith go. Yeah, I, I feel like Danny Smith would be a stretch. Also, I really liked the punt coverage. The Gunners were getting, were really getting downfield. I, I think that, I think that some of the, the numbers that they gave up in punt return uh, was, uh, was, was on, was on Barry's, you know, punting ability and, and not, you know, and not putting them in, in the best situations. Um, but I mean, you look at you look at Deontay Johnson. He finished the year with the most yards per punt return in in the in the in the in the NFL. He had the longest punt return touchdown in the season. You saw just in a couple games he did more than Ryan Switzer's ever done. Yeah. So um, I, I I think it sh- that shows right there. It wasn't about it wasn't about you know he couldn't coach the group up. It was that they didn't have a guy back there that could do it. And I get it if they were worried about protecting the football, but to me that, that worry has to be out now. Like it has the, the Ryan Switzer experiment needs to, needs to be done with, you know? And um, yeah, that, that's, that's where, that's where I'm at with, with, with the special teams. You know, I, I had a live cue session yesterday where someone said, you know, Danny Smith is a disaster of a, of a coach. The special teams were a disaster this year. And I'm like, well, were they really a disaster? Because you know, two years ago, you could, or last year, you could say it was a disaster because Boswell was missing kicks all the time. Right. Um, but even then, I, I think the Steelers have only given up one return touchdown since like 2015, and that one was the was the one that should have been called back against the Chargers. Which, if it is called back, they most likely win that game, and and they're in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot there. Uh, you know, but I don't think Danny Smith's done anything to be fired. I think the special teams is doing fine enough. Um, the, the the team isn't in the hole right now because of special teams. The team was in the hole because of quarterback play. Right, right. And and in that way, you might argue that bring a quarterback coach in to just take that off of Randy Feekner's, uh job. And, and again, not to say that a better quarterback coach would have, you know, coached up Duck or coached up Mason or anything, but, you know, it, it might make sense at this point to bring in a quarterback coach. It might, might, might make sense to bring in another edge rush coach. Um you know, and, and let Keith Butler be uh, full-time defensive coordinator, either side of the ball there. All right, 
One more break here. We will uh, come back and preview Wild Card Weekend, which starts tomorrow. We'll do that right after this. Wild Card. All right, Chris, Wild Card Weekend starts tomorrow. I like the way the NFL scheduled this one, where they did uh, the AFC games on Saturday, the NFC games on Sunday. So by the end of the day, you'll know a full side of the bracket. Uh, so when, or, uh, excuse me, Saturday will start with Bills at Texans. That's the Saturday afternoon game. Usually this is supposed to be the worst game of the weekend. And I got to say, you know, I don't know that there really is a worst game this weekend. I'm kind of intrigued by all of these matchups. And I'm certainly intrigued by Bills at Texans uh, because part of me wants to say, Chris, I, I think the Bills definitely could pull this upset off. Now, I know J.J. Watt's coming back for the Texans. Um, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and, and, and that whole, you know, obviously that offense is very explosive. But Steeler fans saw firsthand how good that Bills defense is. How, how do you think this one plays out? I have a, I go back and forth about this. I like the Bills defense and beat defense does travel well. Um, I like that they have a ground game. I just think that the explosiveness that exists with the Texans has to take flight at some point. I think that uh, Tredavious White could take away DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think he would take away everyone in that offense. And I also think Deshaun Watkins is a winner. Um, I think that's what puts this the, the, the Texans over the top here. I do think it'll be close. Um, but the Texans they need a they need a playoff win, man. Like yeah, yeah they they they've struggled. Some of that hasn't been all on them. Deshaun Watson's been hurt a year, and you know things bad things have happened. But I think this needs to be the year when they uh when 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 they get at least one of those wins because I, I I don't see them. I think they could beat the Patriots. I don't think that they could beat the Chiefs or the Ravens at this point. Yeah, I, I know they beat the Chiefs earlier this season, but I think the Chiefs have improved defensively and. Uh, this is going to be a different type of battle. So, um, but I, I got the Texans in this game. So do I, so do I. And, and, you know, I would have picked the bills. Not, I mean, look, obviously if this game were in Buffalo, I would pick the bills, but even if this were just in a cold weather environment, I would pick the bills, but because it's going to be in Houston's dome, I like Houston. Like you said, all the, the, the firepower that they have offensively, the problem in picking games like this is you have to imagine if, if one team gets down by 10 points, can they come back from that? And in this game, I just don't know if, if Buffalo's down by 10 early, if it's second quarter and they're down, 10 nothing. I you know, am I picking Buffalo to come back on the road? No. So, uh, I'm going to take the Texans to win the early one and then the late game 8 o'clock start for Titans at Patriots. Arguably, Chris, either you're going to be the dumbest game of the weekend in that it's going to be a blowout and what were we thinking or could be the most intriguing game of the weekend because the Titans come in and they're playing very very good football. I know they lost two games there at the end of the year. They lost to the Texans, they lost to the Saints. Competitive in both games, though, really did kind of come in to the uh, really peaking at the right time. And the Patriots, on the other hand, whew, they did the whole backing into the playoffs thing by losing to the Dolphins in Week 17. Steel fans are clearly going to talk themselves into Tennessee winning this game. Are you talking yourself into the Tennessee winning this game? Man, I have gone back and forth about this so many times this week. You know, I, uh, I I'm I'm right along with the people that say do not do not curse the Patriots because. How many times have people said, oh, they're done. Oh, they're this. Oh, they're that. And, and then all of a sudden, whoop, they're back. And, and I, you don't doubt the heart of a champion, even if that champion is a cheater. Um, but uh, <laughs> I just I, I look at this Titans team, and I think they have the makings to take down a Patriot-type team. You know, they, they run the ball very well. They have a competent quarterback. They have receivers that are threats. Um, they have a defense that can get after Tom Brady, that can stop the run, that can play the pass. Um, I, I, I'm going I'm going with the upset here. I'm going with the Titans just because I think that they're hot 
and I think the Patriots, they lost in in Foxborough to the Dolphins in a game that they needed. It wasn't like one of those games where it's like, ah, oh, you know, we can survive. They needed to win that game to lock up the bye, and they've never won a Super Bowl in a year where they haven't had a bye. I just I think that they're I think that they're 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 in trouble right now. I'm not going to say they're finished, but I think that they're on the ropes right now, and they need to have uh, Tom Brady kind of breathe one of his last breaths of greatness in the league and say, I'm going to do this for, for, for Boston or new England or Foxborough, or wherever the hell they're located. Um, but um, I, I just, I don't see that being enough. I think the Titans have the roster and uh, I think that they'll be able to, to, to eventually punish the Patriots. And, and you've kind of seen this Patriots defense that was being lauded as the greatest of all time, you know, through eight weeks. And now all of a sudden, Oh, maybe not so much because yeah, they're, they're teams like, far back down to earth. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Oh wait, you're, you're seeing teams that, Actually, you're throwing the ball now. Oops, sorry. And now, and like Stephon Gilmore, you know, hadn't given up a touchdown. That that, that changed. You know, <laughs> you started seeing him going up against people. So, I, I'm just like, uh, I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots won this game at all. But I'm, I'm going with the Titans because they're hot and the Patriots are falling. I agree with you. I think Tennessee can absolutely be a handful in this game. I mean, you know, look, Tannehill is playing the best football of his career. Uh, A.J. Brown is a problem. He's going to be an incredible... He is an incredible wide receiver right now, but the, the fact that this is his rookie year and he's already playing this well uh, just bodes well for him in the future. Uh, Derrick Henry, terrific. Uh, I mean, defensively, even even Tennessee uh, playing well. And the Patriots, like you talked about, defensively, that's how they were winning games early. It has come back down to earth. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, they're, they're a mess. They can't run the ball. Uh, the, Brady is on the same page with none of his receivers other than Edelman, and Edelman's come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, but I'm picking the Patriots to win this game. I'm picking the Patriots to win this game easily. I, I've learned my lesson over the years. I understand what we're watching here. The Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind. So not only am I picking the Patriots in this game, my family does like the power poll thing where you rank all the games, rank the winners, you know, 4-3-2-1, you add up the points at the end. The Patriots are my four this week. I'm going on my bookie. I'm betting on the Patriots to win this week. I, you know, I know we want to talk ourselves into the Patriots losing, but... Boy, it's like every year. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Congratulations, Tom Brady, on your seventh Lombardi. And uh, good luck in San Diego or wherever you go. I guess it's L.A. now. Whatever. Wherever you go after this. Congratulations. Anyway. All right, moving on to Sunday's games. Uh, we got the NFC. We're going to start with a rematch of the the miracle in Minneapolis. Vikings at Saints. Do the Saints get their revenge? That's a good question. I, I say the Saints do, though. I, I think they're, they're too good of a team this year. And this is one of the things that I admire about certain about, about seeing teams grow, Tony. You know, you, you you we've talked about this before. Teams that have guys that have been to the dance, that have that have that have, that have t- tasted the chance at a Super Bowl, but just fallen short, and how that molds their future, and how you know they, they, you know the Steelers of the two thousands. Joey Porter talked about how he just he couldn't live with himself after he dropped that interception against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and then watched uh, Alex Del Greco, or whatever his name was for the Titans, kick that game-winning field goal in the AFC Divisional round in 2002. Uh, you know, I, I think that the Saints have tasted that enough and that they are ready to strike for blood in, this, in, in these playoffs. Um, I, I don't think that the Vikings are going to be ready for that, um, and I think that, that the Saints will come out with enough firepower to put this game away. 
I'm with you. I don't see any way the Vikings win this game. In fact, I'm looking at the Vikings schedule right now. They are 100% the good bad team. The good bad team is the team is the bad team that just happens to have a good record because they beat all the teams that they should beat but lose to all the teams that they should lose to. You look at the the wins for the Vikings this year. It's Falcons, Raiders, Giants, Eagles, Lions, Redskins, Cowboys, Broncos, Lions, Chargers. I, you know, they beat the who's who of nobodies. Um and they lost, you know, they lose to the Seahawks, the Packers, the uh, the Bears. Um, yeah, I mean, they, there's no way the Vikings win this game. Uh, so I, unlike you, I think the saints are a, a going to be a force in the NFC. They're going to have two tough road games coming up in all likelihood, but, um, uh, they absolutely could be the representative in the NFC. And then our final game of the weekend, Seahawks at Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are a team that they haven't played playoff football. They certainly haven't looked like a playoff team. And the Seahawks at times have looked like maybe even the best team in the NFC, although they've been up and down all year. Uh, this would be a huge upset if the Eagles pulled this off, Chris. Do you see them doing it? Uh, man, the Eagles have been such a weird team to follow. Um, just because I've seen Carson Wentz do some great things. But I, because the, the other thing is that the, the Seahawks, they're down to Marshawn Lynch. I mean, their running game was a huge part of their plan, right? Yeah. And yeah. now it's not there. And, oh, man, I, I've, I've been back and forth on this one a, a lot as well. Uh, I, I'm going I'm going to go with the Seahawks simply because Russell Wilson is that dangerous. Yeah. Um, and I think they have they have other players around the team that can that can pull them together. Um, but the Eagles, they, they got home field. Carson Wentz is a bad dude right now. Um, you know, is they're it true all- that this is Carson Wentz's first playoff game? I didn't think about that, but you're 100% right. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I read that earlier this week, and I was like, wait, what? And then you think about it, yeah, it's Nick Foles the last couple of years. Yeah, because when they made it last year, Wentz was hurt. When they made it the year before, Wentz was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, the year before that, I think, when, when they didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs, yeah. Wow, that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this game. Uh, like you said, though, you know, they rely so heavily on their running game, and they don't have one right now. Uh, oh, they got Travis Homer, who looked good uh, in, in the finale. Uh, we'll see if he can give that up against the Eagles. I don't like the Eagles' defense. And I just, I mean, look, the Eagles, uh, I believe they set a record this year for having a 4,000-yard passer, but no receiver with over 500 yards. I believe that's the stat. I'm looking it up now. Uh, crazy, crazy what happened to them at the receiver position this year. Yeah, no wide receivers with 500. So Zach Ertz has 900. Uh, Godert or Goder, however you say it, 600. And Miles Sanders had 500. Uh, but those are two tight ends and a running back. Uh, I, You know, the Eagles, look, it's a fun story that they made it at 8-8. Eight and eight. They've certainly been playing better as of late. Um, but in a game like this, I'm going to trust Russell Wilson, even on uh, even going traveling 3,000 miles in, on the East Coast. So I have, uh, I have Texans, Patriots, Saints, Seahawks. Chris, you have Texans, Titans, Saints, Seahawks, right? Where? Yeah. All right. All right. We'll see how it all shakes up. We will be back on Monday to recap Wild Card Weekend and continue talking Steelers offseason. Before then, Chris, let people know where they can find your work. As always, find me on Twitter at Carter Critiques, where if you follow me, I'll follow you back. Hit with the at, hit with a DM. Always down to chat with you guys. Thanks for all those who do chat with us. If you're not with us right now, join the Facebook group by searching Locked On Steelers. You can chat with us and other listeners with the show and big time Steelers fans 
Um, if, if you're if you're listening to this and you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button right now. Please leave us a five star review as well as a positive comment. Those things go a long way to helping us promote the show to other Steelers fans and getting us more listeners for you guys to you guys to interact with. You can also follow my work at dkpittsburghsports.com, where if you sign up right now for ninety nine cents, you get a trial month. I write my my regular column, Carter's Classroom, where I'm breaking down the X's and O's of the Steelers. Right now, we're doing some post of season evaluations, and we're getting get into some some grades very soon and then as well as getting ready for the draft but you can get all of that at dkpittsburghsports.com where we cover the Steelers the Pirates the Penguins and the University of Pittsburgh better than anyone else Chris I got a Jerry Judy uh still still an A-plus player in my book <laughs> for when you're ready for the draft talk I'll be uh, pretty cool. <laughs> uh we got a couple of five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. tell you Woo! about uh shout out here to Merritt on Apple Podcasts, who left us a five-star review, said he's a daily listener and loves the show. Appreciate the support. And then Doofy left us a five-star review, called us the best Steeler podcast. Appreciate that as well. As Chris said, leaving us a five-star review, not just on Apple Podcasts, but iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen, does help spread the word about the show. And Chris and I will be back on Monday for more Locked on Steelers.